This is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, December 20th. Yeah, a few things we can talk about today. Why don't we start off with the high school girls basketball game I had on KWAD last night. Wadena Deer Creek girls basketball hosting the Holly Nuggets in a Section 8 AA matchup. The first section matchup for the Wolverines since the championship game they played in back in March. So uh, they were able to play that last night in Wadena and starting off a little bit slow. The Holly uh, Nuggets kind of jumped out to a quick, le quick lead. Wadena clawed back in it. It was close at halftime. Uh, Holly led throughout the entire first half and through the entire second half as well. They end up getting uh, a victory. Does Holly? They hold on. Wadena would come back to make it close and got within a point with about five minutes to go. Final score: Holly forty-three, Wadena Deer Creek thirty-seven. Both teams did an excellent, excellent job. On defense, obviously, when you see a score like that. Uh, and the fun part is, is it's two different kinds of defense. So Holly played a full court zone press and then switched into a 2-3 and kind of had that middle uh, girl in the, in the bottom three kind of come up. So it almost looked like a 2-1-2 at certain points in the defense. Uh, and, you know, kind of forcing the Wolverines to make quick passes, get some shots. I thought Holly did a really good job not blocking shots, you know, maybe that end up on posters, but getting just little pieces of the basketball as they were shooting. It happened a few times. The Wolverines had some good looks, and they were able to kind of uh, neutralize that a little bit with the things that they are able to do uh, there. For the Wolverines, I mean, they had uh, they had some chances in this game. We talked about they they got within one point, just couldn't quite get that big basket. As we talked about in the Parker's Prairie New York Mills girls basketball game on Monday, you know, every single time Parker's Prairie made a comeback or was right there trying to take the lead, they'd always be able to respond with a basket with New York Mills, and that was kind of the case with Holly last night as well. They just had an answer uh, at the time, uh, but you know, close game. And again, I know me and Corey have talked about this before. The shot clock helped make that game interesting and keep it competitive until the end. And, you know, the game still would have been competitive either way, but it prevents the final two minutes of a high school basketball game from turning into fouling and free throws. And it still does happen at the end, but it makes teams have to play a little bit more basketball. You're maybe fouling with two minutes to go in a game without the shot clock. With the shot clock, you say, hey, we can force you to make a shot. We can get a stop on defense and get the ball back without having to foul and without having to send you to the free throw line. And it helps make games close. I've talked about this with a few different coaches uh, that we've done games with and just coaches across the region. The shot clock isn't so much in the, as Corey's mentioned, in the play to play sense. There's not many shot clock violations that happen it's not like that's popping up all over the place but what changes is the game theory and the things that you just have to do you know if you have a big lead how do you do that you want to burn clock but also at the same time you can't burn a minute off you can only burn 35 seconds at a time so you still need to try and get a good shot what does a good shot look like do you let it get down to the shot clock and teams can use that against you knowing they got to put a shot up and it can sometimes lead to bad shots and the other team can come back. Also, like we talked about at the end of games, you know, uh, there's also the two-for-one concept of getting a basket, you know, with maybe, if you have the basketball with 47 seconds left in the first half, you want to get a basket before 35 seconds so that way you can 
force the other team to get a stop, and then you can get the last shot of the half and try and steal an extra possession, um, stuff like that. I know it's probably not quite there for most teams to run yet because teams are still getting comfortable with the shot clock, but at the same time, it'll kind of be an interesting development as the season goes on. But overall, a fun game. Wadena Deer Creek girls basketball beyond the airwaves on Friday night. That's our next high school basketball game that we have. They're going to play Park Rapids area over on the Superstation K106 Friday night. Tonight on our broadcast schedule, should mention over on the Superstation, X's and O's with Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell at 6.30. And with the Vikings, they, of course, named Nick Mullins their starting quarterback. Jordan Hicks might be coming back, at least going to practice and try and work some things out. I know Ivan Pace had a really good game in Cincinnati, but still getting that defense, another starter back in the fold, another good player in the linebacking core, helps things out a lot, at least giving those guys a little bit of a rest. I love Ivan Pace. He's a great story, undrafted rookie linebacker, doing a lot of really great things. But also he's undersized. That's why he didn't get drafted. He's just not a tall guy. Not a, you know, he's bulky, but he's not tall. He's not six five. You know, two eighty pounds. He's like six foot even or five eleven or something like that. Where you know bigger teams can just kind of go right up the middle at you if they want to do that all game. Hicks at least kind of can help neutralize that in a sense. But anyway. Uh, I digress a little bit there. Uh, the Wild get an overtime win last night. They beat the Boston Bruins on the road 4-3 to three, thanks to two goals from Kirill Kaprizov. Cappy capped off the uh, the Wild win with a overtime goal to put them ahead 4-3. They win game two of a back-to-back. They are off. They are going to be playing at home against the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night at 7 p.m. from the X in St. Paul. The Timberwolves, as we've talked about, are going to be uh, on the road uh, tonight. They're going to play Philadelphia. And a 76ers team that has Embiid, a 76ers team that seems fully healthy. I believe the Wolves played Philly once this year at the Target Center, but it was without Embiid because it was the second night of a back-to-back on the road. So now it's ho- uh, the Wolves are on the road. They're going to face Embiid. How will Gobert and Nas and Cat handle that challenge? It'll be fun to fun to see. But the Timberwolves yesterday were off. Boston was not, so, and they lost. So Boston is a 20-6 and six record. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. The Minnesota Timberwolves are the best team in the Western Conference with a record of 20-5. and five. Right now, your Minnesota Timberwolves are the best team in the NBA. Wolves all the way back. We're so the ones, Jack. We are so been A5 from day five, uh, if you're Anthony Edwards. Uh, I, 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 As me and Corey have talked about before, on air and off air, I literally do not know how to handle this Timberwolves team being this successful. Whether it was their most impressive win of the year, I think, on Monday night in Miami, a 17-point comeback on the road, you know, cat fighting some demons there uh, with Jimmy Butler, the Wolves getting the win, just everything about that screamed best win of the year. Fully healthy Miami Heat team on the road, you get the win, uh, 17-point comeback and all that, and you smother them in defense. And that's what the Wolves have been able to do. They start slow in games, which is their, maybe their critique. They don't quite have the bench scoring and especially the three-point shooting maybe, you know. but you can always add that at the deadline. You can always add a bench guy who can shoot uh, at the trade deadline. But you know, that, those are a couple of critiques. The best thing the Wolves do 
is they play well in the second half. And on the defensive side of the basketball, they held Miami to 42 second half points on Monday night. And it's been a theme throughout the rest of the season uh, is that they, you know, a team is kind of close with them at halftime. And all of a sudden in the second half, boom, Wolves win by 15. Not because their offensive output is always amazing, but it's because their defense can just smother teams in the second half. They make those really, really good adjustments. And remember the Minnesota Timberwolves for years, it always felt like the third quarter was their kryptonite. They would be competing with the team. They'd have a bad third quarter, and sometimes they'd be able to dig themselves out of it, and other times they'd lose, and you go, well, yeah, their third quarter stunk. They're one of the best teams in the NBA in the third quarter. It's really, really fun uh, to kind of see that develop. But all I'm trying to say is I have no idea how to process the Wolves being this good, and some people can look and say, you know, well, you know, the Timberwolves, as I've said before, the Timberwolves have to prove it to me to get invested. But when you go 20-5, and five, best start in franchise history, yeah, you've earned the benefit of the doubt at that point. I think that's the important thing that we need to think about here is, yeah, the Wolves, the Wolves are one of the worst franchises historically in North American sports since their inception. They've been bad, a perennial dumpster fire outside of the Kevin Garnett years. And this team that they have right now is the best team in franchise history. We need to just get behind it. Get on the bandwagon. I don't know if this team can win a championship. I'm not going to sit here and say the Timberwolves are going to be this year's NBA Finals champions. But what I am going to say is this is the best team we've ever seen from a Minnesota NBA team since the Minneapolis Lakers. Like, uh, Get on the bandwagon. Get on it and enjoy it. And if they don't win the Finals, who cares? But Timberwolves basketball stunk for almost the majority of my lifetime, and for sure my sports-watching lifetime, I'm going to just get on the bandwagon and enjoy the ride. And when the wheels fall off, the wheels fall off. But I'm going to sit here and enjoy this hype. And if they lose in the second round of the playoffs, it's not going to be ideal. It's going to feel disappointing. But at the end of the day, what this team is doing right now is fun. And it's December 20th. We're not going to worry about postseason stuff quite yet. But what we will worry about is the game in front of the Wolves and I think they're going to win because there's never been a game since like mid-November that I looked at the, the Wolves opponent and said, yeah, they're going to lose. They're not winning that game tonight. Every single game the Wolves play, no matter what the team, no matter who's playing, they have a chance to win, which is really, really fun. And we need to take advantage of that because the Wild aren't playing great right now. The Vikings are eh, a little back and forth. The Twins don't want to do anything, it appears. And the Wolves are all we got. So enjoy the ride. Anthony Edwards. There's one last thing I want to end the morning sports desk on, and that is the Twins TV situation. So there's a Twins podcast called Gleeman and the Geek, and they interviewed new Twins television guy Corey Provis, former Twins radio guy. You heard him for 12 years on KWAD calling Twins games. Again, he's now the Twins TV guy, replacing legendary Staples High School graduate Dick Bramer. Uh, but uh, he was talking about the Twins TV situation and kind of speaking to a little bit of it. And the interesting thing is there's uh, seems like a couple different options for Twins baseball this upcoming season on television. One is that they actually go back to Bally. Not for a long-term deal, but Bally is going to cease operations after this coming season for Major League Baseball. So there is a thought among 
Major League Baseball teams that, hey, let's let all the Bally teams just make kind of an under-the-table agreement with Bally. Fine. You know, take care of your stuff. We're going to do it one more year, and then we're done, and you get out of your stuff for Bally, and they can handle their bankruptcy stuff and figure that out, and Major League Baseball just gets more time to formulate a plan for, I mean, about two-thirds of Major League Baseball teams are on regional sports networks that were Bally. So you got to figure out you know, over half of the league where their games are going to be televised and give baseball another year to figure it out and formulate a plan and market it to a potential buyer as 20 teams instead of the Twins individually and the Diamondbacks individually and the Tigers individually. Instead, you can kind of get more bargaining power if you have a bigger piece to present. So one option is the Twins go back to Bally for one year and then they figure something out. Another option is that they're on Major League Baseball's streaming service, MLB.tv, like the Diamondbacks and the Padres were when Bally dropped them, and you know, some places like DirecTV or Comcast or some local channels do provide a, like a, a channel, but it only televises the game. It's like a Twins logo for 20 hours of the day, and then in pre, post-game, and actual game coverage, it's the game. After that, it goes back to like the Twins logo for the day, and... If it was going to be a streaming thing like that, there is potential that there could be like a uh, like when Twins games used to be on My 29 on the weekends on local television. You know, maybe not WCCO, maybe not you know Care 11, but maybe a Channel 45, maybe a My 29, maybe a CW 23, something like that, where you can watch the games locally on the weekends. You know, it's not going to be ideal, but. If you're somebody who doesn't want to pay for the subscription, you can at least make it appointment viewing to go, all right, well, the Twins are on on Saturdays. I'll just watch their Saturday games. And it's still better than nothing, considering some fans haven't been able to put Twins games on their TV since 2020, which now is almost four years away. So that's a big development here as well. Uh, but this interesting story uh, from the Newswire says Amazon is in talks potentially to take over broadcast rights that Bally had. The New York Times is reporting the tech giant is actively negotiating a multi-year streaming partnership uh, after Bally filed bankruptcy earlier this year. The Twins, uh, of course, are one of those teams that would be potentially in that mix. They have yet to name a TV partner for 2024. Amazon's Prime Video, of course, doing Thursday Night Football. They do some Premier League soccer. They're trying to dip their toes into the sports world to get people to buy their subscriptions. I already have a Prime membership, so that actually be a pretty good thing for me. Uh, but I get it for some people. It might not be uh, the most ideal situation. People just want it on a cable package so they can watch it without having to pay extra totally get it but anyway that's where the twins sit on their tv situation we talked a little wild talked a little wolves talked a little local high school sports as well we got a lot in our mini morning sports desk for today and we'll call it a wrap this has been the morning sports desk for wednesday december 20th